0: Hey everyone, welcome to the 41 Strong Podcast. My name is Chuck Tate, great to have you live from Peoria, Illinois. I'm hanging out here in the Widecast studio. This is where all the magic happens. So um, I just wanna say thank you for taking the time to join us. We're live on Facebook. We're also live on Instagram as well. 41 Strong is a podcast where we deliver encouraging scriptures, and stories to help people hold on and stand strong. We want you when it comes to living a life for Jesus to hold on and to stand strong. So this morning on today's episode, we're going to talk about popping the bubble. All right? This is episode 91, and we're going to focus on popping the play it safe Christian bubble because there are times where we surround ourselves with this bubble where we don't engage with the world. And what we don't realize is that that bubble prevents us from advancing God's kingdom and establishing relationships with people who desperately need Jesus. So when it comes to Christianity, there's a safe subculture and that subculture is referred to by a lot of people as a Christian bubble. So, like I just mentioned, the problem with this protective shield of Comfort Christianity is that it actually prevents followers of Jesus, like you and I, prevents believers from engaging with the world. So, on today's episode, we're going to talk about popping that bubble so we can move from agreeing with Jesus' mission to actually carrying it out. See, there's a difference between, you know, reading the Great Commission and saying, Yeah, I agree with that. There's a difference between agreeing with it and actually being intentional about beginning relationships with people in the world so we can share our faith. So, as we begin this podcast today, I thought we would just take a little test. And um, after taking this test, you will know whether or not you are in the bubble or whether or not you need to pop the bubble, all right? And even as a pastor, it's easy for me to get myself in the Christian bubble. I want to bust out of it. I want to break out of it. So let's take a little test. Here we go. you ready. You know you're living inside a Christian bubble if You only watch Christian movies, you only listen to Christian music, you only shop at Christian stores, you only have coffee at Christian coffee houses, you only hire Christians to do jobs around your house, you only engage with Christians, period, and you only speak Christianese, all right? If if that's you, then you're in a bubble and it needs to be popped, all right? Now, I'm not saying that with condemnation. I'm going to unpack that and show you why we need to pop that bubble. And I also want to say it's, there's nothing wrong if you speak Christianese with other believers. But when you're trying to engage with the world, we've got to be very careful when it comes to speaking their language. In fact, the church that I lead, Rock Church, our slogan and it's really more than a slogan, it's, 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 it's who we are, it's our identity, and it's also our mission, it's our vision, it's the how-to, and that is four words, same message, different language. At Rock Church, we communicate the gospel in a way that people can understand, and we communicate it with love. We don't mess with the message, all right? I don't care who the author is, I will always, always, all right, Weigh everything with scripture. Um, I, I value the words of the Apostle Paul more than some rock star author out there who's selling a lot of books. There are a lot of people right now that are wanting just to throw out the word. And focus on just what Jesus said. But when you hear people say that, all right, it, it's it's pick and choose Christianity. It's cafeteria Christianity. Well, I don't like that, so I don't think that's, that's relevant for today. So we'll just focus on what Jesus said. And we should focus on what Jesus said in the Gospels. And if we focus on what Jesus said, then we'll realize that he said he's the living word. So all 66 books written by 40 authors, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses is God speaking to us. And Jesus is the living word word. So for myself, whether it's a podcast host, whether it's a pastor of a church, I will never throw out the message. It's going to be the same message, the same gospel, the same good news. I'm not going to add to the word. I'm not going to take away to the word. The word even says that in the book of Revelation. It's vital that we stick to the word. All right. So that's the same message. However, if we're going to effectively communicate the word, not only do we have to do it in love, but we need to communicate it in a way that people can understand. We've got to speak their language. We might have to throw out some methods and adapt some new net methods when it comes to communicating the gospel. All right? So this is so important when it comes to this Christianese, this Christian lingo. Um, if you want to talk that way around other believers, Hey, that's, that's cool. I use, in fact, I'm just going to share some Christianese words and phrases, phrases with you. Okay, here we go. Hedge your protection, traveling mercies, um, saved by the blood of the lamb. I mean, if you were at Starbucks and you were engaging in a conversation with the barista and you didn't know whether or not that barista was a believer, um, you would never want to just ask, hey, have you been washed in the blood? All right. They would think you're crazy. You'd probably be escorted out by security. I don't know. Got to be careful um, when it comes to speaking Christian talk and Christianese that when you're engaging with the world, you got to throw that out. You got to speak their language. All right, here's some other Christianese words and phrases. Um, armor bearer, um, I got a check in my spirit. God is my co-pilot, Proverbs 31 woman, WWJD, greasy grace, backslidden, sanctified, anointed, all those words. There's nothing wrong with using those words. And uh, in a church setting, I use some of these these words. When I pray over my kids, I pray that God will place a hedge of protection around them. I stand on Psalms 91 where it says that he gives his angels charge over us. However, if I'm engaging in conversation with somebody who doesn't know Jesus, I'm going to stay away from certain words and phrases. I want to make sure that I can speak their language. You know why? Because that's what Jesus did. He spoke in parables. He told stories to help people understand what he was trying to communicate. And we want to do the same thing. I mean, have you ever met that, that one Christian who you cannot have a normal conversation with? Because everything is just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And obviously our life is all about Jesus. Um, however, we need to be able to engage in conversation with everyday normal people who don't have, have Christ. So I have a friend from way back in the day and every time I'd see him, I'm like, hey man, how you doing? And his answer was, always, oh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. And I'm like, cool, man, I'm blessed too. Hey man, did you see the game? oh, I don't got time for the game, man, just Jesus, just Jesus, man. I'm just following Jesus. Yeah, but what, what about, you know, what, what about this or what about that? Oh, I just got, it's just Jesus, just Jesus. I'm like, man, then I'm just going to leave because I can't have a conversation with you. <laughs> right? I just want to have a conversation. I want to talk about the Cubs. I want to talk about, you know, basketball. Hey, the playoffs. Have you What an opportunity, for, an opportunity for us to engage with people who don't have Jesus. You, you can't do that if all you say is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We have to establish a relationship to earn the right to talk about Jesus with somebody, right? To speak into somebody's life, you know. So we got to be careful. And I also want to back up and say, um, all the things that I mentioned when it, you know some of the things to um, when we took the test to find out if we're in a Christian bubble. There's nothing wrong with watching Christian mo- Christian movies and, you know, um, I'm, I'm all for faith-based content in the world. That's awesome. I, I listen to Christian music and there's nothing wrong with Christian radio and, and, you know, and having Christians who own a coffee shop and all those, that, that's, that's, that's great as long as we're still engaging with people in the world. I mean, here's the deal. I mean, if I need a plumber at my house, um, I don't care whether or not the plumber is a Christian. I mean, if, if he is a Christian, you know, that's cool. And if it's not, hey, that's cool too. Maybe I can start a conversation with somebody and um, end up talking about my faith or my vocation and finding a, a pathway into speaking into somebody's life. The bottom line is this. When I need a plumber, I want the best plumber. I'd rather have an atheist who knows how to do his job than a Christian who doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to working on my home, Right? So, you know, we just got to make sure that we can we pop this, this bubble where we only surround ourselves with Christians and Christian themes. How in the world are we supposed to fulfill the Great Commission if we live inside the church? I mean, we need to be in church, but we also go to church to get filled up so we can go out and be effective in in the world. So let's, let's you know, let me unpack. A thought that somebody might have right now—I'm so sure there's somebody who's thinking to themselves, "Well, wait, what? Hey, the, you're talking about popping the Christian bubble and going into the world, and you know the Bible says that we're not supposed to be of this world." All right, so let me let's read it to you. All right, First John chapter two, verse fifteen. First John chapter two, verse fifteen. It says, "Don't love this world or the things that it offers you." And I'll stop right there. What John is not saying is, "Don't love people." He's not saying that. He's saying, do not love this world or the things that it offers you for when you love the world. He's really talking about the spirit of the world and what this world has to offer. That's contrary to scripture. All right? I would love Killing Kryptonite, the book Killing Kryptonite by John Bevere. Um, Read that about a week ago, and um, we just went through it in about about a week and a half. And um, I love... One of the quotes, one of the things that, that John Bevere brought out is anything that is contrary to the word of God is not good. All right. So we have to guard ourselves, especially when we are engaging in culture and and rubbing shoulders with, with lost people, that we don't do things that are contrary to the word of God. We don't compromise in order to reach somebody. We don't compromise our faith. You know, Jesus hung out with sinners. He came for sinners. He went to parties with sinners, but he didn't compromise. He didn't participate in sin. He loved people. And that's what we need to do. So let's go back to this first John chapter two. He says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. All right, your translation might say the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, and the pride of life. It goes on to say in the New Living Translation that these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. All right, so John is not saying not to love people. In fact, he's the one who penned the words in John 3, 16, for God so loved the what? The world that he gave his only son. We've got to love the world, but we cannot participate in anything the world does that is contrary to scripture. That's what that's what this scripture that we just read is all about. All right, so let's go to, let's find out what the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter. 5 this is this is important here 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 9 when i wrote to you before i told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin all right so i know what you're thinking right here hey then i can't associate with the world well let's keep reading what paul said he says i wasn't talking about unbelievers I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin. I wasn't talking about unbelievers who are greedy. I wasn't talking about unbelievers who cheat people. I wasn't talking about unbelievers who worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. He wasn't talking about unbelievers. He was talking about Christians. So we do need to be careful who we associate with. You know, and and the word does say in 1 Corinthians that bad company corrupts good morals. And there are certain people in your life that if they drag you down, you should not associate with them, but you still need to love the world. I still have to love the world. I need to be intentional about establishing relationships. My best friends should be Christians. Iron sharpens iron. Those people that I hang out with the most should help contribute to building my faith, but that doesn't give me a free pass not to engage with people who don't know Jesus. That's why Jesus came. The church exists to advance the kingdom of God, so we need to equip ourselves and empower ourselves to be able to go outside our church doors and fulfill the mission of Jesus. All right, so what is the mission of of Jesus what his what is his mission for the church all right it's found in Mark chapter 16 verse 15 it simply says then Jesus told him told him who told the disciples if you're a follower of Jesus this applies to you the word was this it's just one word go Jesus didn't say sit in the church. He didn't say stay in the church. He didn't say sleep in the church. He didn't say surround yourself with only Christians and never get out of a Christian bubble. He said go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And the best way to go into the world is to establish relationships and to get to know people so you can earn the right to speak into their life, so you can simply answer the questions. Sometimes the easiest way to share the gospel is to answer questions and if you were living a life like Jesus that will cause people to ask you questions. Wow, how do you make it when you're grieving? Wow, how you you you've gone through so much yet you still have so much hope? Why do you go to church? Answer the questions. You can't do that if you never rub shoulders with people in the world. We've got to be intentional about getting outside the church. Now the word of God is it's for it's for correction, it's for instruction. When we go to church, church is supposed to encourage you, it's supposed to correct you, it's supposed to build you up. Sometimes we get our toes stepped on. The church helps teach you and train you and empower you. Why? So you can make an impact in the world. Not so you can create this Christian subculture that doesn't engage with anybody outside of the church. That's not what it's for. The mission of the church is to go. The mission of the church is to preach the gospel. This means that you can go to a church seven days a week and not reach anybody. I mean, you can, you can live in a stinking church and you won't reach anybody. We have got to be the church. We need to go to church so we can be the church. So we can step outside and look for outsiders so we can make them insiders so we can invite people to belong before they believe, before they behave, simply love people the way Jesus loved them. If we're going to be like Jesus, we need to say what he said. We need to do what he did. We need to love like he loved. And if we're going to do that, we have to fulfill the great commission. Not the great suggestion, right? The great commission. Let me read a story to you in the book of Luke, chapter 14. And um, before I read this, let me give you the backstory. story. Jesus was at a dinner party, all right? He had, he was at a lot of, he did a lot of parties, didn't he? So he's at this dinner party with religious leaders, and everyone's trying to get close to him. Everybody wants to seat directly next to him. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, um, gone to a restaurant with a bunch of friends or a bunch of people, or and um, there was a a celebrity or a special guest, and you you wanted to get as close as you could. That's what was going on. They wanted to get close to Jesus. So this man that was near Jesus, trying to get a seat by him, he said this, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. I mean, I'm right here sitting here, hanging out with Jesus. Jesus, what a blessing it's going to be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus told him the story about a man who prepared a great feast, and he sent out these invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, hey, come to the banquet, it's ready. But they began to make excuses, and the host was not happy. The host was not happy. So that brings us to what Jesus said next. In Luke chapter 14, verse 21, the parable of the great feast, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was was ticked off. Well, it doesn't really say that in the Greek. It says his master was furious and said, go quickly. Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. The message translation says, invite all the misfits and homeless and wretched you can lay your hands on and bring them here. Now, after the servant had done this, he reported there's still room for more. So let me just stop right here. Is there room at your table for people who don't know Jesus? All right, ask yourself that question. If you don't have room, you're in a bubble. You got to pop it. Verse 22 says, so the servant, after the servant had done this, he reported there's still room for more. So the master said, all right, there's more room. Then I want you to go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full The message translation says, whoever you find, drag them in. I want my house full. God wants his house full. Did you know that the churches that we attend, God's house, they can't be full if we're not willing to invite anybody, if we're not willing to go out and engage with people, if we're not willing to establish relationships, if we're not willing to to promote and invite and love people the way Jesus loved people, then nobody will want to come through our doors. I'm sure there are empty seats and God wants them full. Jesus said, I want my house full. We've got to remember Jesus came for sinners. Jesus died so the church could exist and the way the church exists is by people coming to Jesus. That's how the church began. The church began when Peter got up and 3,000 people got saved. That's how the church began. And more than 2,000 years later, We're still going strong, and we need to be stronger. we got to pop some bubbles so we can keep engaging with the world the way Jesus engaged with them so we can hang out with them and rub shoulders with them and establish relationships with them, go into the highways and the byways behind the hedges and drag the hurting, the homeless. we just got to love people because God wants his house full. He wants his house full. The religious leaders they didn't they didn't like this. in fact, let me read this to you in Luke chapter five, verse thirty. The Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law here, here here's what let me let me before I even tell you what they said, let me tell you what happened. We know Jesus came for outsiders. He invited people to belong before they behaved, including his disciples. When Jesus approached Matthew, Matthew was despised. He was hated. He was this this tax collector that nobody liked because he was a crook. And Jesus simply invited him to belong. He didn't make Matthew give up anything. He didn't have to jump through any hoops. He didn't have to dot his I's and cross his T's. He simply followed Jesus because Jesus asked him. He was so excited that Jesus invited him to belong that he threw a party, and he made Jesus the honored guest. Here's the deal. This party, um, one translation says there was a bunch of riffraff there, right? We all know riffraff. There were prostitutes and other tax collectors. There were some notorious sinners at this party. And you know who had a problem with Jesus being there? It wasn't the sinner's. It was the religious leaders, the Pharisees. So this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, verse 31. Or actually, here's what they said to Jesus. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Jesus said, Hey, I'm here. I showed up on planet Earth for people who know they're sinners, not for people who think they're righteous. These Pharisees were in a bubble. They couldn't reach anybody. All they saw was themselves. They were all about their position, people's perception of them. Jesus was saying, I didn't come for them, man. I came for sinners. I can't, you got to pop the bubble. You got to get out the bubble and go into the world, go into the highways and the byways and reach people. Why? Because I want my house full. Do you need to pop your bubble and get out? See, the gospel is for everyone. I know I only have about five minutes left. I'm going to try to wrap up and, and um, give a shout out to some people that are watching right now on Facebook and, and, and Instagram. But um, I, I, I want to share a story. I have a friend, and um, man, I met him. In, I met him in eighth grade, and when I moved to when I moved to Illinois from Arizona, grew up in Phoenix, and um, moved to Illinois. So when I began eighth grade, I didn't know anybody. I was freaked out, and um, I just became became friends with this this dude named Rob, and we became best friends, and we hang out we hung out all the time, and I invited him to church with me and he came to church and he came back and guess what? He gave his life to Christ. And, um, we just were friends for years and years and years all through, all through junior high and high school. And, um, and eventually I was, um, a a youth pastor and, um, Rob and I were still friends hanging out and, and man, I, and, um, throughout the years I would invite his brother, his older brother to church. And, um, he always, you know, said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. And um, one day I just decided to ask him why, you know, I, I didn't put pressure on him. I never tried to force him. But, you know, one day um, I said, hey, Chuck, and his name was Chuck, too. So I got Chuck talking to Chuck, you know. yeah, I, I, So anyway, I said, you know, hey, I, said, I have a question, man. How come? You know, what what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And he said, all right, I'll tell you why. And he told me the story previously, years earlier, he got invited to church and he went to church. What you don't know about Chuck is he's got really, really long hair, he had a really long beard. I mean he could he could be in a ZZ Top video man. And um just uh just a good guy. And um and I he told me the story, he went to church. Someone finally invited him. I mean, someone invited him, and he finally went. And he was nervous to go, but he did. He pushed through his fear, and he went to church. And here's what happened. A man in a suit came up to him and said, Hey, I want you to know we're glad you're here, but please don't come back unless you cut your hair and shave. And my friend Chuck never went back to church after that. Now, I know this is wrong, but if I could, I would love to find that man in a suit and punch him in the face. Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. I believe that these words that Jesus addressed to a Pharisee religious leader are the same words that he would speak to that man in a suit who prevented my friend's brother, my friend, from. Coming to Jesus. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Why? Because you're in a stinking bubble. You won't go in yourselves, Jesus says. Another translation says, I've had it with you. you you're you hopeless, you religion scholars, you Pharisees, frauds. Your lives are roadblocks to God's kingdom. Did you know that by remaining in a Christian bubble, we can actually prevent people from coming to Jesus? This is why we've got to pop the bubble. Man, people need Jesus. They just need the resurrected Jesus. You know, my good friend Blaine Bartell released a book, last week called Death by a Thousand Lies. It's an incredible, riveting, I mean, you'll, you'll cringe, but you, it'll fill you with hope. It's a story of how he lost everything because of sexual addiction and how God's restored him, resurrected his life. And this is one of the things that he says in his book. I want to read this to you. I can tell you today that in no uncertain terms, Jesus revealed himself to me in a way I have never experienced before not the charismatic circus show Jesus, not the white evangelical Jesus, not the fundamental rule-keeping Jesus, and not the American flag-waving political Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. People need a resurrected Jesus, but they are not gonna stumble into our churches by themselves. God needs people who will pop their Christian bubble who will walk outside the church doors and be intentional about building relationship with people in the world so we can share the love of Jesus. So what do we need to do? Man, pop the bubble. All right, let me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for this podcast, for the opportunity we've had to get into your word. And I just pray, Lord, that first of all, forgive me for staying in the bubble sometimes. I got to pop it myself and get out and be intentional about starting conversations and asking questions and answering questions and fulfill the great commission of being willing to go. And I can't go if I'm inside a bubble. So help me pop it. God, those that are watching and listening today, I pray that they'll be willing to pop the bubble so they can go out to be the church, to do what you intended them to do so we can invite people to belong, simply belong. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for the boldness that you're giving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I want to thank everybody um, on Instagram, those of you that have um, joined in, and I want to thank everybody on, on Facebook Live for, for watching for watching live. Um, looks like um, i to say shout-out to Lisa and my good buddy Mike, who used to be my co-host, and um, thanks, Mike. Good to have you here. Pastor Bob Martin, um, good to see you as well. And um, for those of you that are missing um, on my monitor that I can't see, I just want to say thanks for hanging out today. I want to thank my producer, Mike Sable, we look forward to seeing you on episode 92, which is coming to you next week. All right. Until then, keep holding on. Keep standing strong. For more information, you can go to my website, chucketate.com. God bless. We'll see you next week.